0: What's up, queens. Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro. I'm Savannah. And I'm Lilla. All right. So today I wanted to do a follow up to our previous episode that we did about the article in Atlantic detailing the secret lives of femcells. It seems like we're harping on this subject somewhat, but I think it's important to talk about the struggles that women face that are sometimes a little bit invisible. I know we mostly talked about that article in the context of like who they are, what they believe, et cetera. But I think that it would be great to actually have some strategies for women who identify as femcells there's, it's debatable whether they actually are femme cells, but for women who identify as fem cells or women who feel like they have difficulties dating because they're not physically attractive, like what can you do and why it doesn't matter? And then what are the alternatives? And I think this is a good discussion because I think it'll give practical strategies for women who otherwise feel marginalized from the dating scene and to go ahead and find some kind of tools to move forward if they are really seeking out a relationship. Cool. Sounds good.
1: And I'm going to be somewhat skeptical. I am going to be a little skeptical this episode just because I don't know if cells even like want to date. And if they do, like, I don't know if like the strategies and the advice that we would give, I don't know if they would actually want to do those things, but we're going to try.
0: Well, I'm making the assumption that they do want to improve because so many of them are focused on like lookism and then trying to look smacks. Yeah. Right. And trying to make themselves more attractive. But As we've discussed in previous episodes, like most of it is actually uh, psychological. Some of it may actually be physical things that they can change, but most of the time it's actually an attitude issue or um, just you know the circumstances of where they're born and maybe them not having like a good and healthy environment for them to be.
2: And I just want to say that just because you're not conventionally attractive, that doesn't mean that you're not attractive. I think people conflate the two. If you don't fit a narrow, or if you don't like fit. The beauty standard then you're completely written off and that's just not the case and it's not how men work as well because you see men partnered up with women i hate using scales but if you want to use scales we're just going to run with it just for just for ease but you see men partnered up with women from one to ten on the scale so to speak on the look scale like you see it all the time
0: and i want to preface the rest of this episode by saying this is going to be real advice not necessarily nice advice like advice people want to hear and i think that's Definitely a 180 pivot away from the traditional advice, which is what the fem cells were complaining about in the Atlantic article is that the idea that everyone is beautiful and like so much of fem body positivity, feminism focused on making women feel quote, beautiful women who don't internally feel beautiful. And then not acknowledging that some women actually really do struggle and no amount of like girl bossing and power positivity and like toxic positivity is going to change that. So I kind of want to acknowledge the fact, okay, if you're a woman and you're starting to feel like, okay, I'm really getting locked out of the dating scene and being taken seriously as a romantic partner, what's wrong with me here's some things that might be wrong and there might be nothing wrong right
1: <laughs> yeah
2: I think we should do an episode on the body positivity movement because I have a lot to say about that
1: yeah that's a controversial one
2: that may be bonus content or a main it's not controversial to me I think it's bollocks but I will
1: <laughs> we'll go into that no look stuff that I want to say about body positivity is controversial. <laughs>
2: Okay. Yeah. Oh, fair. As always, Lilith. Yeah. We'll do um, an episode on that's coming.
0: I offend everyone on all sides. (laughs) So I want to start off by splitting the fem cells or the self-identified fem cells into two groups, which are... Fake fem cells, women who aren't really fem cells, who are average or even above average looking, but have some kind of issue versus the women who like will legitimately have struggles because they have some kind of uh, serious deformity, et cetera. Because those are actually two different groups. And like we discussed in the last episode, we talked about with fem cells.
1: People are using the word fem cell to mean anything nowadays. Like they'll be like, exactly. Oh, I'm a <laughs> fem cell because I have a messy rumor. I'm a fem cell because I listen to like Marina or Melanie Martinez or some shit like that. You know, like that's fake fem cell shit. Or that's fem cell culture or like fem cell memes, but like memified fem cell culture. But they're not real fem cells, in my opinion, anyways.
0: Right. Or like we even said, a lot of them would post their selfies and they would look fine, if not great. And so it seems like it was majority of them had some kind of alternative issue. Body dysmorphia. Yeah, body dysmorphia, or just alternative-ish social issue that wasn't actually their looks that was perhaps causing them to be singled out, to be bullied, and or you know just feeling less than their best. So just like incels, when you look at the femme cell demographic, it's mostly young women. So you're talking about women who are in their teens and early twenties who are going through for the most part, some kind of awkward phase are just not yet like secure in their body because they're still growing, et cetera. And a lot of them are bullied. So a lot of the women who are self-identified fem cells, like the Atlantic article discusses, they were singled out among their peers to say like, oh, this person's ugly or this person's undesirable in our social group. So we wanted to talk about like why sometimes women like that end up femcells and like what could be realistically done, especially if you're a teenager and you're in high school. And after that, if after you graduate, like what you can do to put yourself in a place where you'll be able to rebuild your self-esteem and learn to like yourself. So one of the first things that comes to mind, and I'm going to do this in like a numbered order. One of the first things that comes to mind when we talk about femcells is poor grooming. And like, just like (laughs) Lilith said, it's become a meme where a lot of them, like they have dirty rooms, they don't take care of themselves, et cetera. You're not ugly, you're just dirty. Yeah, exactly. And I (laughs) see what's mean, but once again, this is going to be the real advice and not the nice advice. But a lot of them, when you look at them, it just seems like it's a case of like their grooming standards are below their peers, which is causing them to be singled out unfairly. They're not uglier than their peers. Their grooming standards are below their peers in some kind of material way. And sometimes it's not their fault, right? Sometimes it's just a matter of like they're poor. You know, if you're poor, you might not be ugly. You might just be poor, meaning like you can't afford like nicer clothes You can't afford makeup, et cetera, things to make yourself look nice in comparison to some of your peers. So that's one of those times where you have to just have some kind of awareness to know that like people are shitty and people are jerks and you're not actually a fun cell. You're not actually ugly. You just, for whatever reason, aren't being singled out because your grooming standards are below that of your peers.
1: Yeah. And to be fair, like it gets a little complicated, I find with like radical feminism and stuff because, you know, things like shaving your legs, you know, a lot of girls, for example, will get like bullied for having hairy legs or something like that that, right? You know, the rad femme discourse, I guess, is like, don't shave your legs because it's a patriarchal expectation. And, uh, you know, you're oppressing women by shaving your legs and stuff. And honestly, if you don't want to get bullied for having hairy legs, just shave your legs or cover your legs. I know it's like harsh, but or just like accept that you're going to get bullied. I don't know what else to say. It's like, it makes me wonder like how much of this like rad femme, like, you know, anti beauty standard stuff is actually just like hope for women who either don't want to do those grooming things or like they feel like they're so ugly that even if they did do the grooming things, there'd be like no point. It's And then it's like, you know, for me to participate in grooming would, would be to participate in my own oppression. I'm gilding my own cage kind of thing, right? I don't know. I kind of just roll my eyes at people like that. I'm like, if you don't want to do those things, then don't. But like, you know, it probably would make your life better if you did do them, unfortunately. That's just the reality.
0: Yeah. And I... Talked about this in the discord, but this is a particular area of like sensitivity for me because of the fact that my parents were really, really heavily religious. So they like didn't want me to like shave and didn't want me to wear makeup, et cetera. Even my hairstyle was really, really controversial because I thought some hairstyles would look too adult for my age, et cetera. But like the reality of that is it was worth the fight I have with my parents and then eventually me getting a job and just getting money and sneaking around and like buying all my grooming stuff myself because of the fact that like in high school, If you are significantly less groomed than your peers, you'll stand out. Yeah. And that can cause you to be bullied. So if it's like an issue with your parents because they're like weirdly controlling, and this happens a lot to girls especially, they're really controlling over your looks. It's worth actually fighting for (laughs) I hate to say it yeah <laughs> yeah
1: I really relate to that actually because like for different reasons like yours was for more religious reasons but my mom was just a narcissist and she made me ugly on purpose just because she didn't want me to outshine her or whatever so like growing up as a child she like never bought me like you know we had money like she could have put me in like nice clothes but she chose to put me in like hand-me-downs like sweatpants and like baggy t-shirts and stuff anything to like hide my body I looked like under the age of like 12 I was like so ugly just honestly and then I started like babysitting getting my own money like for me like grooming myself putting in hair extensions dressing more fashionably and stuff like that that was an act of rebellion against my parents right like from my starting point to me, that was an act of rebellion. Right. And so some of these women who harp on the beauty standard stuff, they honestly kind of remind me of my mom, like, just make yourself ugly so that I feel better about myself, like kind of thing. Right. So, like, it is unfortunate that people bully you for being less attractive. But for me, I just, you know, I would say just do the cost benefit analysis and we think it's going to be worth it for you than... Why not?
0: It looks like the fem cells have acknowledged some of that because they have like these looks maxing manuals. And Gen Z, you have it kind of lucky because you have just like a lot of tutorials online, right? You have the internet, and there's just like a million My makeup. One... When I was a teenager, was so ugly, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly like we had. I had to like read books about makeup. <laughs> Before the internet. (laughs) Exactly. Back in our day, we had to figure it out the hard way, which was like trial and error and just like looking stupid a few days. Like every time you would try some new style versus like now where you can go online and you can see there's so many beauty gurus now. So you just have to find someone who looks kind of like you and then follow exactly what they're doing. Yeah, find a beauty guru who has a similar
1: appearance as you <laughs> and then like get some tips and tricks, right? Don't imitate them exactly because that's also fucking weird.
0: Like we said in the previous Fem Cell episode as well, a lot of women who are considered beautiful are actually average women who just put in a lot of work in their grooming because grooming is also like a class signifier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes it has less to do with what you look like and more to do with like the effort and the effort you put behind your looks as well as like the kinds of designers you can afford. And it's part of
2: the reason why, even though we have things like Instagram and, you know, Pinterest and you have that representation, but it also gives people, I think, a very, very warped idea of what's attainable for most women. Because a lot of these Instagram people, they're very, very good at, you know, showing off the clothes that they're wearing. But what you don't see is just like Rose said, the amount of, for example, like effort and the amount of money um, that goes into them looking, a particular way so this is why I'd always say to women don't feel bad if you can't essentially match up to that because it takes a lot of effort even if the person is I want to say for example like plus size we often you know correlate that with people that don't make any effort but even plus size models they have to put in a lot of effort to maintain the way they look and to look a certain way
0: Yeah. So you don't have to be like the most fashion forward of all your peers, but the goal is to just not be noticeably significantly less groomed than your peers are.
1: I want to say it's okay to be average. That's actually the other thing is like too many people right now we're striving for exceptionalism. You know, we look at beauty on Instagram. We're trying to be like a 10 out of 10. I think that is unachievable for most people. It's okay to aim for six, right? (laughs) It's okay to be average, right? Like, you know, if you look at like a group of high school kids and stuff, like, they all kind of look the same. They're all kind of average. The ones that get bullied are the ones that really, really stick out. And so, yeah, like, stop striving for impossible beauty standards. Just strive for average, okay? Like, then your life will be happy enough. Yeah, exactly. Like for fitness, don't starve yourself trying to be a size zero or whatever, right? Like, you know, you're never going to be an Instagram fitness model unless you're like genetically gifted or just live that kind of lifestyle already, right?
2: And a lot of them have had surgery as well. They just don't tell you.
1: Yeah, exactly, right? Like unless you're willing to spend tens of thousands of dollars on surgery, like you're probably never going to look like an Instagram model and that's okay. You can still live a perfectly happy life having like an average body fat percentage or having like an average body, right? You
0: don't have to be super skinny. You can just be
1: normal. That's
0: okay. Yes. So that brings me to my second point, which is a lot of women consider themselves cells because they're significantly overweight. And this is so regional. And I've had this discussion with uh, some other FDS members where, you know, the emphasis on your weight and like what's an acceptable weight range so that you're not, again, significantly outside your peers really, really differs depending on like where you are in the country. Like, obviously, if, if you're in a city or a country that's really, really fashion forward in the States, that would be like New York. L.A., Miami, Vegas, places where there's like huge fashion industries or entertainment industries, hospitality industries, then there's a ton of emphasis on women's weight as far as like being skinny, because like part of the economy there is the women there, right? Because they are part of the fashion industry or they're part of the hospitality industry, which tends to put a premium on how women look. Whereas there's other places in the country where and we already know this that the United States is one of the like Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> United States is one of the fattest countries.
1: Just move to Ohio. That's my other piece of advice for femme cells. Move to Cleveland or something where you can just be a Cleveland ten. You might be in LA too, but you'll be a Cleveland ten. <laughs>
0: Is going to be my legit advice that like try to get to a healthy weight like realistically for your own sake for your longevity try to get to a healthy weight but if you're just like man i either don't want to put in the effort i like to eat or you have some kind of condition such that like it's really really hard for you to get down to a healthy weight then i actually think it might be beneficial to move to a place where like the culture is more surrounded around food
1: move to louisiana <laughs> get some <laughs>
0: Swear to God, in the South, like I think most of the quote fattest cities in America are in the South or Midwest. There's barbecue, there's Tex Mex, there's.
1: And everyone is fat there, right? So you won't stick out. You'll be average, right?
0: Everyone's fat. Exactly. Right. <laughs> okay, but what if
2: somebody can't actually afford to move?
1: These places are cheaper to live, okay? LA is super. Ex- they actually will be saving money, okay? LA, New York. The places where it's most important to be hot is also the most expensive place to live. I mean, I get that. But also, this isn't just like we don't
2: just have like people in the US. It's also Europe and around the world as well. And moving, even if it's cheaper, is fucking expensive. Like even if you're moving from one place that is, you know, more expensive to another. Like in the UK, people take out personal loans to move because I mean, you're looking at around at least three grand if you want to move somewhere. Isn't
1: the UK also one of the, like, the most, like, obese countries in Europe, though, so? In Europe, yeah. (laughs) So if you're English-speaking, chances are you're probably from the UK, so you're probably fine, so, no.
2: But even still, like, I mean, like, what is the advice if somebody can't move or if they have, for example, isn't even just about moving just, I know, to be average, it's also there could be things keeping you in that particular area as well. I'm just conscious of the advice that we just tell people to move when moving isn't that straightforward of a decision, and it may not even solve their problem.
0: It may not solve their problem, but honestly, as a person who's traveled a lot, like cities have cultures. And so if you are in a city where you don't fit the culture, it's honestly an uphill climb. And it's actually, I think, worth for your mental health to move to a city where you'll be around your tribe, right? If you're a person that just knows you, like you want to be a big party animal, and you want to eat a lot, go to the South, eat all that barbecue. I'm dead ass. Yeah. And I know that sounds horrible, but like like I said, I actually think that's worth, I think that's better than doing things like plastic surgery, to be honest with you. And be
2: landed with their lack of abortion rights, but that's a different issue.
1: True. Oh, yeah. Shit. Be stuck with their lack of abortion rights. That's it.
2: And we basically move from, like, L.A., where it seems pretty liberal, to the South for man. But by the way, if you need an abortion, you're fucked.
1: No, no, no. Not for a man. It's not for a man. It's for your quality of life. Yeah.
2: Or quality of life. But then what's the point if your reproductive
1: rights are just... I mean, if you're, like, eating yourself into a coma, like, are you going to be having sex? (laughs) Sorry, I mean, that's pretty far though. Like
2: when you talk about eating yourself into a coma, you're talking about like 600 pound life. I'm talking about the people, I assume you're talking about the people that are maybe chubby, overweight, like not necessarily, like by
1: 600 pound life. Are there blue states that have a good food culture? Let me Google
0: this. Fattest cities in America. (laughs) Enter.
2: Yeah, I'm just conscious of the advice that we're giving, like just move to a red state. But if their rights are going to be worse off, then we shouldn't
1: really be encouraging them to do that.
0: Maybe you move to a purple state then. <laughs> yeah, move to a purple state. Like I don't know what a purple state is. <laughs> it's usually a politically diverse state. Oh, okay. Yeah, the most obese cities are all in the South. So Callan, Texas, Memphis, Tennessee, Knoxville, Tennessee, Mobile, Alabama, Jackson, Mississippi. So that shit's out of luck, basically. <laughs> SOL. Yeah, but there's some slightly purple cities in here and states in here. So like Winston, Salem, North Carolina yeah like oklahoma i think it's reddish purple it's like reddish purple
1: can i just say that the hottest american men i've ever met were always from raleigh is that north carolina like every single hot american man i've ever met was from raleigh so this is completely unrelated but if you're looking for a hot country boy move to raleigh like honestly (laughs) that's my type (laughs)
0: Okay. So the other option too, I've noticed is that usually outside of the central hub city. So if you go outside of like New York, then you, and you go outside of LA and some of the farther out cities and counties, they're like not exactly the suburbs, but they're a little bit farther out. Like they're a little bit more like um working class. Then you'll see a lot more obese people as well. So sometimes you don't actually have to move states. You could just move a couple of cities over.
1: Fair. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I want to point out that like, you know, when it comes to like, I'm feeling insecure about my weight type of discourse, you know, the existing dialogue generally be like, oh, here's how you can lose weight, you know, telling women to lose weight, or they'll be like, you're beautiful just the way you are. And anyone who doesn't think so is like fat phobic or whatever. Just point out that FDS is like, our advice is completely way out of left field. It's mean, but honest. It's like, if you don't want to lose weight, then don't, but just move to a place where
0: instead. <laughs> you being fat you'll be average compared to other people where it's not a social liability for you yeah where it won't be as much of a social liability yeah and like I said it's not the nicest thing to say but it's also honest it's like why keep like you know torching yourself trying to fit a beauty standard that you either can't commit to because you just don't want to or it's a medical condition that you can't I actually think it's important to find your tribe for your own mental health I actually think it's actually better rather than trying to be like I don't fit in here like obviously if you live in like Beverly Hills and and, you know, you want to like wolf down barbecue ribs every weekend, like you're going to be outside of that culture, right? Cause like, that's like the sushi and green juice culture and you want to eat differently. You want to live differently. So if you want to live differently, I don't even think you should feel bad about it. I think you should just go in- to a place that makes you feel good. Embrace. This is the lifestyle that I want
1: to live. Yeah. Just own that shit. Right.
0: I feel like that's way healthier than like the fitness culture and like lying to yourself. Yeah,
1: it's healthier than lying to yourself. And it's healthier than expecting other people to lie to you. That's the other thing about like the forced body positivity or like obligate body positivity stuff. Like, I don't know. It's like just embrace your body the way it is. You don't want to lose weight. I will say like, yeah, losing weight is really hard. And a lot of people just don't want to do that. And that's fine. Like, that's okay. Like, we all have different priorities, right?
0: And as someone from the Midwest, you can have a great quality of life and be very, very obese. Yeah. In a lot of cities. So
1: <laughs> I actually also want to say, again, in terms of like reframing like standards for what is like a healthy body and stuff. Like I want to say in my personal opinion, the ideal female body, again, my personal opinion, if you don't fit this don't get offended. I'm not calling you ugly. In my personal opinion, the best or a most ideal female body is between thirty to thirty-five percent body fat, which is a little on the higher spectrum actually, like, and then as much muscle as like you can reasonably achieve without steroids. That's what I think is in terms of health, the most beneficial to women, because first of all, having a little bit of extra body fat is good to like throw around in a fight. Like if you ever get in a physical confrontation, like it's better to have that extra weight. You know, if you weigh like 150 pounds, a guy could just like pick you up and like throw you right. Like it's better to have that, you know, on your side. Secondly, you actually need some body fat to like regulate your hormones and stuff. Like a lot of women think they have to get like under 25% body fat if they want to be seen as attractive or if they want to be seen as healthy or whatever. And I find like, you know, the lower the body fat percentage you go, the harder it is to maintain and the harder it is to regulate your own hormones. So just for like an overall like day-to-day, like quality of life, having like an average to slightly on the higher end of average spectrum of body fat percentage is like, is acceptable. So at the beginning of your weight loss journey, and you actually do want to lose weight, again, I'm not saying you have to lose weight, but if you are overweight and you want to lose weight, it's okay for your goal to be like 30% body fat or 35% body fat. I think that's very achievable, and you can live a great quality of life with that.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it all comes down to how much effort you want to put into either of these areas. And the goal is always to not be so noticeably below your peers that it causes you to be socially isolated or bullied. Yeah. So if you can't move then it's like, it's a little bit tougher, like Savannah said. So try to move a couple of cities over if you can, if you're still in high school, I think actually do your best to like Lilith said, get down to like 35% body fat, like get down to good enough, right? It doesn't have to be amazing. It just has to be good enough.
1: Like 35% body fat is just like an average woman. You just look at a normal non-obese woman and you're like, she's probably 30 to 35% body fat, maybe even slightly curvy. So I think that some women are genetically just like that, actually, in which case I'm a little bit jealous, you
0: know? Yeah. If you live in a house where, you know, it's very difficult to eat healthy because your family eats unhealthy, just like the poor grooming situation. Like it, this is a time where it's actually worth investing in your health and trying to eat healthier. I Meaning, like spending your own money on like healthier foods. Mm-hmm. If you can get a job, et cetera. We're mostly talking about high school because this is like the time when you're starting to socially transition and where these types of things kind of matter. Junior high is just sort of a crapshoot. That's like the age that fem cells are also is like you know, teenage and like
1: young 20s, generally. I find women over the age of 25, they're not fem cells anymore. They just don't give a shit. Like, yeah, they find their lane. Yeah, they figure it out. But we're talking about like, yeah, women under 25 generally is the fem cell demographic.
0: Where you're stuck in a social environment, you can't necessarily control like or you're just learning how to leave. So like in your teens, you're obviously in high school, you may not be able to to a control where you where you live. But as you start to, when you graduate and as you start to move out in the world, this is what you can do. And this is what I've seen women do to increase their quality of life after being labeled, quote, fem cells.
2: And if we're talking about men as well, because, you know, assuming that every fem cell wants to be noticed by men, the older you get, the more you realize that a lot of men just don't care as much as women think they care about stuff like, I don't know, for example, cellulite or a back roll or something like that. They just don't care in my experience anyway.
0: Yeah. So the caveat to all of this advice is that no matter how bad you think you are, there's always a man that's worse off. (laughs) (laughs) Quite frankly, if you have a pussy, you won. That was not what I was expecting. (laughs) People think that fem cells don't really exist to a certain extent. Or that they're all vol cells voluntary celibates i would say they're ball cells but like well they want romantic relationships which are hard for everybody right now but and we'll get into that as well but the idea that like you can't can't get any guy to pay attention to you is just not true i'd say probably
2: say for about like maybe 90 percent of women perhaps that's not true
0: I don't know. I feel like this
1: episode is going to be like tone deaf as hell because I actually don't know what it's like to be ugly. Like I just can't relate. I'm sorry. (laughs) I've never experienced that. It's just, (laughs) I've never experienced that.
2: I mean I thought I was ugly growing up because my sisters were I had two sisters and like one was a model and then I thought I was but I think I'm just I don't know I'm not ugly like now I know that I'm not but I don't know I sort of remember sort of the mindset because I went I think we're going to come on to it in a bit actually or we might just skip ahead because I went to like a high school where I was like the only black person in like the whole school maybe there was like one or two and like naturally I stood out like a sore thumb as well especially when I was surrounded by like white girls who were tall, they were very skinny. And I just wasn't that at all. So I get it, you know, when you stick out like a sore thumb and then you're comparing yourself constantly. But even then I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was ugly because I was in a relationship at the time and I could still, and I still had men wanting to date most in a relationship. So yeah, maybe I can't relate either.
0: There's lots of average men, right? So like, even when we talk about when we talk about this, it's like your life isn't over if you're not like top tier
2: attractive. And average doesn't necessarily mean unattractive as well. Like I feel like there is this dichotomy between ugly and not ugly. And it's not true. Like there are average, you know, looking men who I found really, really attractive, like personally attractive because it's not just about the way they look. It's about the way they speak, the way they carry themselves, their thought process, like looks, I just feel like with themselves, like just focusing on the exterior is just missing so much of what makes a person actually attractive. And it's not just the way they look in most cases.
1: I mean, I think it's fair in the case of femcells. I think it's more fair because like for women, our attraction is more holistic. It's like, yeah, it is important for the man to be facially gifted and to have like a nice body. And like, you know, we also care about personality and is like general vibe, right? I think men, again, like they're much more simple minded. And so they tend to just think of it like hot or not. For men, it's men's attraction, I feel works much more. It's like a light switch, (laughs) you know, whereas with women, it's like more of a spectrum and more complicated.
2: But in terms of like a long lasting relationship, though, of all the couples that I know, it's not just looks that brought them together. If you're looking for a shag, then yeah, I think it's light switch. But in terms of long lasting relationships, I mean, obviously they want to find, I think a high value man, he'll want to find his woman attraction. but that's not the only thing that will keep him there at all
1: i mean it's not the only thing that will keep him there but it is one of the requirements like so generally
2: it's important but but this is what i'm saying it's holistic just like you know women's are if we're looking for the long term with a high value man he will also see you as a fully holistic human being and not just a shell if a guy is only like with you for your looks he's low value because he doesn't see you as a fully realized human being
0: Yes. Okay. So number three reason why you might be a fem cell, uh, poverty. So there's an old adage that, uh, there's no ugly women, just, uh, poor. This is true. You're not ugly, you're just poor, yeah. Yeah, you're not ugly, you're just poor. Like so many videos on this, but yeah. <laughs> There's this just an unfortunate side effect of any type of capitalist society. There are people who cannot afford to groom themselves or take care of themselves in the same way that other people can, which again, causes you to stick out. So I think we've already made this suggestion in, in the previous points to, if you can get a part-time job, it is worth at this stage using your money to, again, the rad aren't gonna love us, but it is worth using money to, To invest in your physical appearance both internally because of your health as well as like externally as well as your grooming but you know if you're in a situation where as a person who grew up poor who also felt who's had to uh, figure out a way to like get be somewhat stylish like by thrifting clothes or going getting clothes from the Salvation Army. Like you also have to be somewhat resourceful. Even if you can't afford like the best things, there's lots of fast fashion and there's lots of places where you can get like clothing that you you can kind of like self-style, right? Like you can still make yourself look presentable or just shoplift, honestly.
1: The <laughs> <laughs> results criminality. Petty theft. Okay. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, I'm not I'm not going to I'm not gonna go. Okay, never mind. I'm not gonna go down that path. But like, I will say that like we live in a capitalist system. Were you the klepto friend? What? So were you the klepto friend in high school? Maybe. Okay. We all had one klepto friend. I did go through a phase, actually, like a compulsive stealing phase, like a <laughs> <laughs> tea leaf. Tea leaf
2: alert. Tea leaf. I did go through a compulsive stealing phase. <laughs> a Lilith was a tea
1: leaf. <laughs> leaf. <laughs> okay so there's this thing <laughs> it's like the stupidest thing okay so there's this thing for like bored white women where it's like we don't, it's like we don't even like how do I say this it's like we're not even like poor or anything you just steal for fun but I actually think that that is less okay than people who steal like because they can't afford it right so I, I'm saying like the stealing that I did I feel was not like ethical but if you're poor and you live in a capitalist society and you can shoplift and not get caught, I support that. I think it's like them putting you in prison for stealing after you shoplift that that's wrong. Eat the rich. <laughs> yeah. Eat the rich. Like, do it as a form of protest against our city capitalist society. <laughs> protest stealing.
2: (laughs) I mean, I would say though, if you are a woman, if there is like one piece of advice, I'd say it's non-negotiable in terms of improving the way that you look is get a proper fitting bra. Like 90% of women are in the wrong bra size and it will honestly transform the way that you look.
1: It makes your posture bad too.
2: It makes it bad. And also your clothes won't fit the way they should if your bra is shit. So I would honestly recommend getting professionally measured and Doing it that way. Don't buy bras in shops off the rack because they often don't fit the way they should and they're very, very generic sizing. Even if you buy two or three that fit really, really well, you can make them last a long time. And that'll be my biggest, especially if you are busty, it's like non negotiable that you have a bra that fits you well. Because even in high school, I remember when the boys would always notice if a girl's bra didn't fit properly because she'd have like the quadra boot and it'll be like visibly too small so yeah definitely definitely invest in a good quality bra and bras
0: a good point that was brought up by one of our discord members is that putting in this effort when you're young is actually worth it Because actually, as you get older, as you start to go out into the world and you start to get jobs, et cetera, certain levels of grooming start to be expected as the norm. And so sometimes for kids that didn't have the money or didn't put in the effort into their grooming and their health standards when they were young, it gets harder unless you obviously get come into more money when you're older. It does make you a little bit behind like your peers. So it's important, I think, to think of investing in your grooming and your looks as part of your general self-care, part of your general mental and physical health maintenance, and that it's actually a skill that you can learn and that a skill you should try, you know, and you should try out in high school because a lot of times that's, regardless of the fact that people get made fun of, like that's sometimes the best place to make all your mistakes, right? Than trying to make them when you go out to the working world.
1: Yeah. Go through all your weird phases when you're high school. Then again, kids these days, they film everything. So even their shitty fashion choices are going to be documented forever. So I kind of feel bad for kids. Like anything that's on the internet now, all the mistakes they made as a teenager are on the internet for life. So that's one thing to keep in mind. But yeah, it is true that when you're in high school, it's the best time to make mistakes
0: or college. Okay. So the next couple of points are more social issues that we're going to talk about that may make you a femme cell. So like Savannah touched on a little bit earlier, if you are a racial minority in an area that's like predominantly white, or even just in general, like let's be real. <laughs> yeah. In general, but like, especially that. So for myself, we moved around quite a bit when I was young. So I've lived in a lot of different neighborhoods with like different racial components and going from like a place that's, either a lot of people of your same race or at least racially diverse to a place where like you are the minority, where you're like the lonely only can be kind of a mind fuck. It can be. So there's a lot of women who, especially on the fem cell boards, who are, they really obsess about like beauty standards as it pertains to race in particular and saying like, oh, I'm never going to be attractive because I'm not a blonde white woman. And there's even a, a pretty funny comment by a comedian, a pretty infamous Twitter comedian. I think it's Dana Donnelly, if I'm not mistaken. But she said like, when did you discover you weren't ugly? You're just not white. That for a lot of women. (laughs) University for me. So for a lot of women, like if you're in a country where you are the minority and you're not like, that's another situation where you stand out, right? Like you are somewhere that's outside so far outside of the norm that it's noticeable, which may cause you to be bullied or at least make you feel really, really insecure. This is why I'm kind of, I'm on the boat that representation actually really matters. And I think Gen Z's very lucky because of the internet now that like you can go online and see other people who look like you and create a beauty standard that's realistic for yourself. So you're not so like... Like, reliant on the beauty standards of the people in your immediate vicinity. Because if you try to look like someone you're not, like you're just going to end up frustrating yourself and like feeling like, well, I don't look like this type of person. I don't look like this. I'm a racial minority and I can't live up to this standard. And therefore, I'm ugly, which is going to make you feel bad.
2: And that's exactly what I did. Like When I started going to uni and I started having my own money, I just followed a bunch of content creators that, that looked similar to me. And I just looked at the way they dressed, what worked for them, what didn't work for them as well and just essentially curated like my own style based off women who looked like me and had a similar body shape as well and also that's a life hack as well so when you're shopping online if you clothes shop online try and look for models who basically look similar to you because those are the clothes that will fit you best If it's being, for example, modelled by a tall, skinny white woman and you're not that, it's going to look different. And that's where you see those TikToks or those, you know, stories about women being disappointed about the dress that they ordered from China that looks totally different when they wear it. It's also, I find that also saves a lot of time and I end up sending a lot fewer items back is if I just like look at the model and think, do they look like me? It also requires a bit of honesty as well because if you are looking at the curvy hourglass plus size model and you're not that as well, It also requires a bit of, I guess, internal honesty and also knowing that, okay, yeah, she's got a really banging figure, but it's just not my figure. Do you know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that takes that's trial and error, too. And you'll have to cycle through a couple of clothing phases, I think, to start to figure out what actually fits your body. I'm very much the return queen. If I don't love it, I take it right back. So I generally will go online. (laughs) Did you get banned from Nordstrom Rack because of that? We're not going to talk about that, Lilith. (laughs) But yes. (laughs) I
2: feel like it was their fault. That's not the return queen. That's not the return convict, but never mind.
0: For the record, so there's an online retailer that I like. So if you ever shopped at Nordstrom Rack, the store, everything's all over the place. So I always just to prefer to uh, purchase things online and I just decided to completely redo my wardrobe. But the problem is, is like at least like originally when you would order things, like if we said, it would not look the same when I tried it on, like as it would look on the picture, right? So when you get something in person and trying it on, it just doesn't fit right. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to sit here and just have this thing in my closet I'm never going to wear because it doesn't look right. So I would return I would sometimes just buy things in multiple sizes or multiple colors and then try them all on at home and then return them back to the store. But I did this so much that eventually they blocked my account. (laughs) I think it was a lot of money. So, <laughs> cause I was redoing my show. Like tens of thousands of dollars worth of returns. It was, it was honestly tens of thousands of dollars worth of returns. But like part of that was like I said, it's different from other retailers like Macy's because like Macy's, you could buy stuff and then ship it to the store and then try it on in the store. Like I had a, with Nordstrom Rack, I was like, I hate going to the store. So I'm just going to order everything online, which means I was just like, I'll just order everything in every size or everything, every color and then like return part of it but it means like i would order four things and then return like three of them i think you got to keep your returns under like 75 <laughs> percent within a certain amount of time but yeah i don't know all i did was create a new email account and uh keep shopping yeah see we're both rebels like that row. no just we're both, right? yeah i just created an email account clothing and- rebels <laughs> Right. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes it's worth doing. So trial and error, like don't keep anything in your closet. You don't want Try try different things on, you know, if that fits your body type, you know, look at the colors and the color scheme and see if they flatter your body type. And there's so many resources online about beauty at this point. That's why we don't really focus on it. But like, I think the point was like, if you're a racial minority to seek out, like deliberately seek out brands, influencers, etc. that look like you that have more realistic standards so that you're not beholden to whatever the standards are in your local area, which again, lucky for you, Gen Z, because in millennials, we didn't really have representation like that. So you were kind of left on your own to figure it out, which I think really did a number in a lot of women's self-esteem from and, and like you'll see this kind of stuff where there's a lot of women who feel like oh I was bullied because I was too hairy or I was bullied you know because I you know whatever I had dark hair or dark skin and they didn't see anybody like themselves and so they didn't learn how to value themselves because everyone around them was different and that's like I think the benefit of being the digital age is that like your scene is now global for better or for worse so you don't have to feel like okay because I don't like fit in here so to speak that I'm necessarily ugly or that I can't have a social life etc it's just a matter of like finding what works for you and makes you feel good and looks good on you all right so the next reason you might be a femme cell uh poor social skills this also goes for incels as well i find as well i think all of these goes for incels to be fair
1: femme cells and
0: incels yeah
1: Mm,
2: no because men aren't held to the same beauty standards so i think it's different true okay true yeah like
0: a fraction of this is true for incels just wash your ass
2: (laughs) that's the (laughs) only advice
0: yeah, just wash your fucking ass, you losers. I got outside the basement. <laughs> exactly. And I used to lurk in cell selfie and like cell selfie, most of them, like I said, it was all about the grooming for them. Most of them are just like young guys who either hadn't completely grown into their bodies yet or just like terrible at grooming. And like men's grooming is bare minimum. It's literally like shave your unibrow, keep a beard line up and cut your hair. That's it. That's it. And they can't even do that. And then they want to cry about being fems or being incels.
2: Anywho, back to the poor social skills, poor social skills for women.
1: I want to say, first of all, The way that you learn good social skills is you're going to have a lot of moments where you exhibit bad social skills in the process. And so I feel like a lot of women, first of all, like social skills are learned. They're not something you're born with. You need to practice it. And it is very much use it or lose it. I feel like a lot of women, they, you know, they'll have a socially awkward interaction or, you know, feel, have a moment of feeling socially uncomfortable and then like get traumatized by that and like get so much social anxiety that they just find it really, really hard to compel themselves to go and get more practice socially and that just makes it much worse right just makes your social skills much worse and it's going to just add and compound to the trauma over time because you're going to have to interact with socially you know humans are social creatures we live in a society you're going to have to socially interact with people right so I think it's better to just like get the practice with you know over with as much as you can in high school like honestly most of these people you're never going to talk to anyways right so it's okay if you burn a few bridges like
0: it's okay right Exactly. You have to have the mentality throughout high school that like, fuck all these loser ass people. Like, honestly, it's the best way to survive that situation because you're stuck there. You can't do anything about it. A lot of people are shitty. You should not internalize anything that happened in high school ever. And
2: honestly, like that literally the day you graduate is going to be the last time you've seen 99.99% of them anyway
1: yeah so i don't know just go out there socially interact with people if you have some so i have a lot of like socially awkward moments in high school that you know i cringe about years later and probably the people there don't remember me or don't remember that moment at all but i don't let that stop me i still go out there i still talk to people and like you know i don't know how to say this like practice makes perfect just fucking do it even if it's hard that's all i have to say I mean,
2: to be fair, speaking as an introvert, it can be a cycle of almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you have a bad interaction, that will actually make you want to retreat. It's not always just a case of just, you know, pick yourself up and try again. But what I would say as an introvert and what helped me is just to find your tribe of people. It doesn't have to be a huge crowd of people. Because I remember when I went to, like, what do you call the education period when you're like 16 to 18 in the US or Canada? What do you call that? Is that still high school?
0: Yeah, so high school.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. So basically in my late high school, I went to a different school and all the cliques had been formed. I was the only black person, but I managed to find a group of other misfits, so to speak. That's what we called ourselves because we all joined in like the 12th grade and we just stuck together throughout the whole time. And so you can just find your circle um, and everybody can find a circle, I think. And it doesn't have to be huge as well, but that can really, really help take some of the edge off. Even if it's just one or two people, if you just stick together, it will make high school so much easier.
0: Yeah. And I think you have to figure out if you are being socially ostracized because you're just into things that are not as popular among the people you're around. Or if you have like legit poor social skills, meaning like the things you say offend people you're awkward in conversation. You never have anything interesting to say. Like those things are more skills to work on versus like your social skills are okay, but like you just are into something niche, right? Whatever. Like what if you're into like some kind of niche anime? And I see a lot of like the anime kids feeling persecuted online, even though like anime is huge now. But I remember like when I'm (laughs) back in my day, but like a lot of the kids that were into like these niche interests, so to speak, like... They weren't weird, so to speak, but they just weren't like, there's a lot of people that are just not into it. And so then they were more isolated because they had unique interests, in which case it is so worth finding your tribe. Just find the people who are interested in the things that you're interested in. You don't have to feel bad because you're not like the crowd, right? If you just have like interests that differ from other people. And I think that's different than like poor social skills, meaning like you're a drag to be around.
1: I almost want to be the devil's advocate to this section just because, like, yes, it is important to find your tribe. But I think you also need to look at your tribe and ask yourself, like, is this a tribe that I want to be socialized by? Because I too often I meet, like, yeah, if you're a weird kid and you hang out with all the other weird kids. And I know in past ep- episodes I've said, like, even if you're a misfit, hang out with other misfits. Like, you know, you're stronger together. And that is true. I would caution you be overly reliant on the misfit crowd because they're going to make you more socially incompetent.
0: If you're like in one of those groups where there's like in-group lingo that only that group understands, you still need to be able to con- communicate with normies. Yeah, I would say find your tribe, but also, yeah, learn how to communicate with normal people. Like, I mean, like, when I say misfit,
2: I don't mean people. I think you're talking about something that's quite extreme. I'm not saying people...
1: I'm talking about like the blue haired, like I'm Libra sexual, like, you know, although the the weird queer kids on TikTok who reinforce each other's weirdness and then they go out into society and realize that society is not like this and they're traumatized by the fact the real world isn't like their, you know, socially weird in-group.
2: And here's another thing that you don't really understand in high school is that you don't actually have to be that different before you're marked as different. So, for example, um, in terms of the group I eventually formed, a lot of them were tall pretty thin you know white girls but they also didn't fit in with the main in crowd as well so even if you don't fit in with the main crowd that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a misfit or that you're socially awkward it could just be that you just don't fit in and I suppose this is a longer episode as well but I sort of almost feel like this like drive towards inclusivity is almost a backward step because people naturally form groups as humans and that's not necessarily a bad thing but we get pushed in this whole everyone has to accept everybody has. to be everybody's friend. Like, in, for example, sports days in the UK, everybody gets a medal, even if you come, like, you know, 301 place, like, for example. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that way. It's perfectly okay to not fit in with the main group. That it's not necessarily an indictment on you as a person, but it's just sometimes them's the breaks basically. And it's fine.
0: I mean, it's, it's not a problem. Like, for myself, I didn't realize this until later when I started recounting, like, all of my closest friendships, but so many of my closest friends had immigrant parents. I had an extremely racially diverse group of friends, but the thing that actually was a common thread is that all of us were first gen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So at least like we had an immigrant parent. And so like, I almost feel like we gravitated to, towards each other because we had certain mindsets at looking at things even though we came like our parents came from vastly different countries so even something like that where like okay you're a white person but you're an immigrant right
2: well your parents are an immigrant and that's enough to sometimes get you or even if you grew up in a different part of the country or you went to a different sort of school like that you know that can be enough to take you outside of the in group again that's nothing to do with you as a person it's just how it is sometimes
0: yeah. So be mindful that just because you don't fit in with like what's popular there doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you and to really try to figure out if it's like your social skills are lacking or you just haven't found your tribe. Um, the last portion of this is if you have religious or overbearing parents, slowly raise his hand in the background. So a lot of parents cripple their kids because they don't allow their kids to do fucking anything, right? And so I feel like a lot of my other first-gen friends, they were similarly raised where they had parents from somewhere else. And like, I don't know if it's just like fear or whatever, you know, some of their parents didn't speak English. My mom speaks English and everything, but like some of their parents didn't speak English, so their parents are really, really reliant on them. So then like they were really crippled socially because so much of their social interaction had to revolve around their family or like their parents were like paranoid of like letting them have any freedom. So you see a lot of this happen where it's like, you know, like the, the kids that are uh, really, really restricted in high school and then they go crazy in college because they have no idea of their limits. And like, they're just trying to rebel against really overly strict guidelines. I think it's worth like asserting your freedom from your parents at this age. <laughs> no, don't get yourself kicked out the house, I guess. I mean, weigh your options, but for me and for my younger siblings, like there's so many fights that I had with my mom uh, and my father that my younger siblings didn't have to have because like, and their lives were a lot socially easier that sometimes it's just worth, it's worth actually pushing back on. So I think if you're at the point where their parents are like, you have to come home straight after school and you can't go anywhere and you can't hang out with your friends anywhere that will socially cripple you. Like social learning is actually a big part of learning as well. So I do think it's granted everybody's inside and, on their like phone now anyway. So maybe this is like starting to get passe because now you can just talk to your friends like on your smartphone versus like back in my day. People
1: don't go to parties these days, bro Like, they don't go to physical parties. Like, I remember when I was a teenager, like, sneaking out the back to go to parties or go to, like... And most of them wouldn't even be good parties. They'd be, like, bush parties just out, like, drinking, like, fucking Bud Light out in the bush or whatever, right? Like, woo, Canada. Anyways, but, like, do kids do that nowadays? Do they, go, do they sneak out at night to get in trouble? I don't know.
0: I think more kids should do that, honestly. I support. Small acts of rebellion. Like, don't do anything stupid. Don't, like, drive drunk or try to do, like don't get yourself in trouble but like you know i did little small acts of rebellion even though my parents are really religious like i told you we used to go to the teen clubs <laughs> so go to the teen clubs dressed up in all my body glitter and grind on random strangers but listen we did the whole thing i used to do the whole thing with my friends where like you say i'm sleeping over that person's house and they say they're sleeping over your house oh my god i did that with my friend once and then my dad literally like drove past as
1: i was like on my way to a party one time <laughs> That was like, definitely a low moment for me. Definitely like one of the most embarrassing moments. (laughs) Like me and my friend lied for each other. And then I was like walking to this party. My dad fucking drives by and he's like, was that Lilith? And he picks me up. Oh man, I was toast. It was fun.
0: Small acts of rebellion against like overbearing parents and understand if they are overbearing, it's a them issue, right? So like small acts to get yourself some social experience is worth doing. So much of like why, and I feel bad even having this conversation because when you talk about like what's quote unquote wrong with femcells a lot of times it's their parents right like and it's it's out of your control so basically we're trying to teach people who are starting behind the eight ball as far as like their social skills their grooming their ability to find their tribe and like what to do in an environment where you don't have a lot of control and then how to start to exert control so that when you do become an adult you have the freedom to make these other choices that can vastly improve your quality of life and you know how to
1: yes you should rebel against your overbearing parents I know for a lot of people that is like scary and it's intimidating, especially if your parents are like abusive, that can be very, very, very tough. A piece of advice I've been wanting to share that's like kind of related to this might be shoehorning a little bit, but I'm going to be bringing it up in the future, uh, in a future episode, which is like one of the lessons I've learned from my abusers is to never back down. And in fact, like if someone's giving you a hard time for something, don't acquiesce you should double down. This is something that I feel like, you know, I don't think it's inherently abusive, but it is something that abusers do tend to do, which is like, you know, if they don't like something that you're doing, they'll like punish you for it essentially by, or, you know, if you voice like discontent to the abuser, they'll like be extra harsh on you to like make you think twice about bringing it up with them again. Like as soon as I learned as a kid that like, I could make it costly for my parents to punish me, that was like, a game for me. That was like learning independence. That was like how I learned independence, basically. So like my parents, for example, the narcissists, they care a lot about public image. And so one of the ways that I got my parents to like stop oppressing me so much is basically by like threatening to like expose them and like doing like little acts of like public humiliation like if my grandma tried to take me to church I'd like scream and like cry and like really humiliate them my grandma tried to beat me and I would just scream harder okay like and that would humiliate them. I'd be like my grandma's abusive she's beating me and and, like again public humiliation like that would discourage them from doing that more right so you know, if your parents are oppressing you, like find out what's important to your parents, whether it's like their public image or like whatever, and threaten them with that. And I think that's my message to kids out there. <laughs> Play power moves on your kids, on your parents.
0: And honestly, like and for the kids that like that's really, really dangerous and they can't do that because there's like actually real risk involved. Then it's important to recognize that you're in that kind of environment and to prepare yourself for the reality that you should as soon as possible move away.
1: Yeah, like if you think your parents might kill you for disobeying you, like if you live in a family where like honor killing is a possibility, then yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, my parents are dysfunctional as fuck and they've called the police on me because I didn't go to church, so... So my mom also called the police on me. I had to talk to a police officer about why I wouldn't go to church, yes. <laughs> about why I didn't go to church.
2: <laughs> I'm actually surprised the police officer actually came out. If that was the UK, they would just say that's a civil matter and just hang up, like legit.
0: No, they would come and they would talk to me and be like, well, I don't know. I I feel like the cops themselves were like semi rolling their eyes at my parents when they came. And my parents were separated by the time. So like they each called the cops on me separately for not going to church, which was like the wildest shit. The police here wouldn't even come out, though. Like, that's not a
2: crime. Like, no crime's been committed by not going. That's so, America's just weird. Like, I cannot imagine calling a police officer for somebody not going to church and them
1: coming out. My mom also called the police on me, but it was when I had snuck out to go to a party and actually it was like to see my boyfriend at the time. My mom like locked me out. She like changed the locks while I was gone so that I couldn't get back in. So I tried sneaking out like in through my bedroom window. And then she called the police saying like, oh, someone's trying to break into my house. And so the police come like thinking this is like a break and enter. And they find it's, oh, it's just the teenage daughter. And my mom refused to let me back in as like a weird power move. And they're just like, ma'am, it's illegal to like abandon your minor daughter do we need to call child protection services or something like that right so find out if your parents are really oppressing you like find out their weak points if your parents are mentally unstable like use that against them actually The mental instability can make them seem crazy to other people, especially other authority figures. Like, you know, the people, the counselors at the school, for example, had my parents figured out, you know, like, I know it can be really scary if your parents are mentally unstable, you know, it can make them, their behavior more erratic and more scary and potentially more violent. But also understand that that's a a weakness in its own way.
0: It's either that or basically gray rock your entire high school experience and just prep for the idea that like you're going to be miserable for that entire four years until you have the ability to move away from your parents and the environment you're in, especially for parents are embarrassing, right? Like if you have a parent that's got a problem of some sort, that can also be a social myelovity. Yeah, and you're getting teased for it. Yeah, that can also be a social liability. Like, I'm a big proponent of moving away from wherever you grew up if if there's like trauma involved there, because I think just the perspective of moving somewhere else will help you to heal as well as like realize like you're not limited by the circumstances you grew up in. If your parents are suffering from, I mean, I've had relatives that like had like very public episodes. It's embarrassing, right? And like, it's one of those things where I was like, okay, I could stay here and suffer the embarrassment of like having family issues, or I could just move somewhere else and. And kind of wash my hands of it and be judged solely by myself, right? Rather than like how the community perceives my family because of certain members. So I'm still team move the fuck away and, and go find a place that's better suited for your self-esteem. Okay, so the last two issues are more social issues when it comes to dealing with friendships and then dealing with relationships, meaning some women are consider themselves cells because of how other people have treated them. And they've internalized the treatment of other people as like a statement and who they are. For example, one of the cells in the Atlantic article mentioned like poor treatment by guys of like them just trying to be nice to them and to have sex and then like never wanting to like be publicly their girlfriend, never want to publicly claim them, et cetera. To be clear, like a lot of that stuff that souls think is unique to them is actually not unique to them. Yeah, even average
1: and attractive women experience men who are scrothed like that.
0: Who are absolute shitbags. So sometimes I feel like what the fem cells take that to mean that they're ugly and unattractive and they internalize the behavior from men and don't understand it. Like that's just shitty behavior that happens to men and it would still happen to you if you were average to attractive. Yeah.
2: And this is why I always say... That if you think you are, you know, not conventionally attractive, then your standards, they should be absolutely sky high. You know, forget what society tells you that you have to settle, that you have to, you know, find your level, be great for the scraps. That's nonsense. Because ultimately, these men, they prey on women who have low self-esteem and who are not conventionally attractive because they think they'll be low hanging fruit. So actually, if you deem yourself a femsel or if you don't think you're conventionally attractive, yeah, your standards, they also need to be sky high as well
0: they'll be too low and you'll start to reinforce the poor treatment and then internalize people's behavior because it's like blood in the water like the sharks will find you repeatedly
2: and this is why i get so annoyed at society when they just basically tell women who think they're unattractive or they're not conventionally attractive oh just lower your standards because actually that's not going to help them and ultimately it's essentially not going to protect them from the shit bags in the male sex because they also treat attractive women like shit as well i mean so not having any standards or boundaries is the worst thing you can do and that basically goes if you're attractive or not or conventionally attractive or not so yeah that's what i'd always say if you believe that you are conventionally not attractive that's all the more reason to have sky high standards and boundaries
1: yeah don't make the mistake of being like oh i'm ugly therefore i should accept like poor treatment from men because yeah that just creates a self like endless negative feedback loop that just reinforces the idea that you're you know it's acceptable to be treated badly by men or that it's something that you have to put up with which you don't
2: And you also don't have to date men you don't find attractive either. That's another thing as well. You are also allowed to have your own physical standards for men.
0: And don't internalize the other thing I saw, especially on the TikTok meme about girls who were late bloomers and who never got asked out in high school, et cetera. Like once again, that has to do with men. And that's not behavior you should internalize. Like I'm undesirable because no one like asked me out in high school. Like there could be a million other reasons that that that's the case. That's not just like you're ugly. It could just be like, once again, like the particular social scene of where you are. A lot of guys who might have liked you may have never like made a move. And a lot of the girls who are like popular just put out a lot, right? It's not even like a secret and it's not like a particular skill. Sometimes like women look at women who just like sleep around and then think like, oh, well that person, like that person's more liked and like guys like her more. But like literally in high school, like if you're just putting out, like you can just get a lot of attention from men. That's just the reality. So that sounds horrible, but <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean that that person's prettier than you. I wouldn't recommend it, right? Cause there's a lot of women who are on the other side of that who, like, I had sex with a lot of guys because I wanted attention from men and I wanted to be part of a social scene. And then they have to deal with that trauma, right? So you have to like remember that, like, take a step back and like realize that like your boundaries are actually important for your own mental health and self esteem. And like trying to quote keep up with the Joneses as, as far as like just doing whatever you can to get attention from guys, just so you won't be like a quote late bloomer that you're not left out of the social scene, like comes with its own risks and its own like kinds of trauma.
1: Yeah, don't expose yourself to unnecessary trauma.
0: Yeah, don't internalize if you're not always getting, like, asked out. Don't think there's necessarily something wrong with you because it may not be at all. It might, Like I said, it could just be that social scene and don't feel like, oh, everyone else is, like, having sex and then, like, I feel like I have to have sex to get a guy to be interested in me.
1: Also, keep in mind real life is not, like, TV. It's, like, real life isn't, like, euphoria where, like, you know, a girl is walking down the aisle in high school and every single person like turns their head to look at her kind of thing, right? As she walks in slow motion and like the wind is blowing at her hair. Like I feel like some fem cells go through life, like thinking that real life is like that and thinking like, ah, like the pretty girls have it so great. They walk down the hall and there's like, you know, their hair is so perfect and effortless.
0: You never know what they're going through or what they're doing to like maintain being popular. That's the thing. Also,
1: quite frankly, no one cares. Like, people in high school, like, the hot girls would walk down the aisle and, like, yeah, maybe some people would look, but no, it's not like every head is turning to look at them, right? Like, you know, just, <laughs> I don't know. You know, just because your life isn't like what you see, how you see teenagers in TV, you know, doesn't mean you're, like, a femme seller that your life is somehow, like, not worth living or inadequate.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that's yeah, that's the tough part. Like Hollywood really does a number on people because it it sets up these expectations and these hierarchies that are not necessarily true to life. Be the main character in your own story. (laughs) The other side of that is like female relational aggression. So Don't internalize it if you have a shitty friend group. If they they try to make you the quote Duff, which is the designated ugly fat friend, if you've ever heard of that acronym. Some women are kind of like, they have poor self-esteem, so they go out of their way to like go with women they think aren't like sexual threats. And so they'll purposely do things to kind of undermine your self-esteem. And even if you are like as attractive as them, they'll just keep doing that and try to make you feel unattractive because they have poor self-esteem. So a lot of women who I feel like are cells or have low self-esteem, they actually just have shitty friends. Friends that don't like make you feel good about yourself, but friends that go out of their way to make you feel bad about yourself so that you think like we're going out and I'm not getting attention or I'm not like one of the more popular girls. But it's really because of like your low self-esteem is being broadcasted because your friend is constantly treating you like shit. In which case, once again, that comes down to recognizing a social situation that's going to be happy and good for you and then moving on from that kind of friendship because that kind of friendship is toxic and will make you feel like a self
2: yeah, I think that is an often understated and isn't even necessarily about your looks again as well, why they target you. Some women also, you know, I like to call it uh, befriending downwards as well, if they just perceive any aspect of your life to be beneath them. And that can be in terms of career, that can be in terms of your background. It's not necessarily, again, the way you look. And the common theme I find with themselves is that they tend to attribute everything about the way they're treated to just the way they look. And it's, and it's often a lot Deeper than that. And in a lot of cases, sometimes it's just nothing to do with them. There's also shitty people as well. And yeah, friends can be a huge part of that. And you see that the most, like, if you've ever seen a woman who has lost a substantial amount of weight, myself included, even the way your friends treat you is really, really different, or your so called friends treat you is really different. Like, they start actually seeing you as almost like a sexual threat. I remember I was out, like, going out with a friend after I'd lost quite a bit of weight. And this guy, he was really rude, to be fair, but he literally pushed one of my old friends out of the way to come up to me and actually say oh my gosh you are so gorgeous and I was a bit like can you fuck off and I walked away but then afterwards my friend said something which I thought was a bit of a backhanded comment and she was like oh well you know if I what did she say I think it was something like it's only because I didn't make an effort that he didn't say it to me as well and I was a bit like okay (laughs) so yeah do watch out for that as well
0: yes so that's the show let us know what you think on our website in the weekly thread on com. If you're a femme cell, did you find any of this advice helpful? Do you think any of these things are actionable? And just let us know. Like, let us know your experience with um feeling like, you know, you're unattractive and how that affects your dating life as well as your overall quality of life. Yeah. So check us out there. As always, you can check out our bonus content on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy, as well as follow us on Twitter at FemmeDatStrat and our Instagram at underscore the female dating strategy. Thanks for listening, queens. And for all you incels out there, fix your struggle beards. Die mad.